The reading is page 555, it's Psalm 23, a Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Wonderful, thank you. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome this morning. December is here. Christmas is coming. I'm really excited. And let's pray now and ask uh, for the Lord Jesus' help as we look at these words together. Lord, we pray that you would help us this morning. Might you settle our hearts and minds. And as we look back this time of year to your first coming and how you came to bring new life, we pray that you would help us by the power of your spirit this morning to be empowered to live out this new life you give us. So we pray these things in your name. Amen. So when the, um, the actor who played the original Superman was asked what he saw in the future, he uh, responded, when I look to the future, I see more possibilities than limitations. But then of course he would say that because he's Superman, right? So then the same question was asked to Oprah Winfrey, uh, who replied, when I look into the future, it's so bright, it burns my eyes. But then she would, of course, say that she's worth 2.5 billion dollars. But how about you today? What do you see when you look into the future? In your better moments, uh, perhaps you too see a bright future. Perhaps you see yourself married to the ideal partner, your ongoing struggles with loneliness now gone. Perhaps, as you look into the future, you see yourself with the perfect number of children and you all kind of snuggle down watching a Christmas film and there's not a tear or tantrum in sight. Perhaps, I don't know, you look into the future and you see yourself living in a big house in the suburbs and it's one of those houses that's got you know, a big open plan kitchen, it's got a huge garden and every day seems to be a sunny day. Or perhaps you look into the future and... Um, you see yourself in the office, you've got the promotion, everyone now listens to you, and you don't dread your day as you go in on your commute. Perhaps, perhaps. Or perhaps when you look into your future, you see something very different. Perhaps you see the prospect of a future where you're still feeling lonely. Perhaps you see a future where you're parenting children who, in the very secret places of your heart, you sometimes wish you never had. Or perhaps it's the prospect of parenting children through the minefields of relationships, social media, screens.
screens, pornography, in a culture where screens are commonplace and apparently one in four children are addicted to video games. Or perhaps you see a future and there's the prospect of being stuck in a situation where you don't really like where you live, you don't really enjoy your job, and you can't see any way of that changing. So when you look to the future, I wonder what it is that you see. According to new research by the Prince's Trust, seven out of 10 people in this room fear the future. And that's certainly what King David, the author of this psalm, was battling with as he looked to his future. But then he says in verse one, he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. And if you're anything like me, when you read that verse, you think, really? You know, we lack nothing? In fact, we might think, you know, it's all very well you saying that, King David, you're a king. What do you know about the issues I'm facing as I look to my future? What do you know about the uncertainties of my future? To which David would then say, well, actually, you couldn't be more wrong. He would point us to the numerous attempts that were made on his life. He would then point us to the very thing us parents dread the most, the death of our own children. And then he would point us to the rebellion that he experienced in his own family. Near-death experiences, tick. Grief, bereavement, tick. Family conflict and family breakdown, parenting failures, tick. So when we read this psalm of his, we know that this is no kind of airy-fairy Christian fluff going on. David shows us that if we're trusting in Jesus, your future can change. Today marks the third of the final, sorry, third and final talk of a three-part series called Eternity Changes Everything. We, uh, a few weeks ago, looked at your future can change your past. We then heard how your future uh, can change your present. And today we're considering how your future can change. King David shows us how. In 2015, Ed Miliband, in his quest to become prime minister, uh, unveiled what would later became known as the Edstone, um, a six foot eight uh, inch limestone tablet inscribed with Labour's six key election pledges. And at the top was the promise, a better plan, a better future. Ed Miliband understandably thought if he promised a better future, he needed to give people a plan. Apparently on a piece of rock, <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> So when King David offers us a better future, we too might expect to be given a plan, a plan to maybe kick in in the new year. But we don't. We don't get given a plan. Instead, we get given a person. Verse one again, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. The name for God here is Lord in capital letters. I wonder if you saw that in the verse which is a way of writing God's special name given to his people. When God's people heard this name, Yahweh, as written Lord in our translations, it reminds us that God has promised his people that he would never leave them nor forsake them. And King David, as he writes this, in a sense kind of invites us in because the Lord wants you and he wants me to be his promised people too. 
And David says in this psalm, he can change your future because number one, he's the shepherd you really need. And number two, he's the host you eternally want. So firstly, he's the shepherd you really need. Now, I'm no expert on sheep, okay? But I do know that sheep are some of the most vulnerable creatures around, okay? When left to themselves, they struggle to keep safe from hazards. Um, You know, they get attacked by predators. They're continually getting lost. And so it's, of course, no accident that David describes himself and he describes us as sheep. Because we too are vulnerable, aren't we? And some of us this morning will be feeling our vulnerability this morning in a very acute way. Perhaps as we look out to the world, you know, as you scroll BBC News again on your phone and you read of more lives lost, more people being or having their lives kind of completely ruined by wars going on in the world at the moment. Or perhaps it's kind of closer to home. Perhaps life for you feels more like trying to survive. You can barely see past the prospect of another sleepless night or that to-do list waiting for you in the office. And if that's you, you're in good company because all of us are in some ways vulnerable and needy. It's just that some of us are better at admitting it or hiding it than others. Ed Welch, um, he's a writer, he writes this. He He says, we spend too much time concealing our neediness. We need to stop Hiding. Being needy is a basic condition. There is no shame in it. It's just the way it is. And so when God describes people as sheep, well, all of us are included, aren't we? When he describes God's people as sheep, we are included, which means he's the shepherd we really need. And the promise that's given to us right at the very start is that he's not anyone's shepherd, He's your shepherd. He knows and loves you. David writes, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. There's an old story of a young uh, shepherd boy who looked after sheep in the Scottish Highlands. Uh, One day, two Christian ministers met him while they were out walking. And they explained the good news of Jesus to him, including that Jesus wanted to be his shepherd. And that Jesus would look after him as he, the boy, looked after his sheep. They read to him this psalm, Psalm 23, and taught him to repeat the first line, the Lord is my shepherd, using the fingers and thumb on his hands. The Lord is my shepherd. Some years later, one of the ministers was walking, um, just passing through the area, and asked after the shepherd boy, But apparently uh, there had been some uh, terrible storms and the boy had died in the hills, buried in a snowdrift. The villager who was telling the story said, there was one thing, however, we didn't quite understand. When the shepherd boy's body was discovered, he was holding his fourth finger of his right hand. And the minister replied, Well, we taught him to repeat the first line of Psalm 23. And we told him whenever he said it to himself to pause at the fourth word and remember, the Lord is my shepherd. King David makes it clear, he's the shepherd you really need. In him, we lack nothing. 
Because in verse two, we're firstly told that he provides. He provides. Verse two, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Now, I recognize uh, there'll be some people in this room where life does not feel like a green pasture right now. You know, as you look to your future, you're not seeing green pastures. You're seeing late nights at work. You're seeing cold rooms at home. So when you're told the Lord the shepherd provides, you've got a voice in your head whispering, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, right, he provides. But then remember, David's life wasn't always a picture of green fields, green pastures either. His life was full of suffering, remember. So what could he possibly mean here? Well, when I say shepherd, you probably think sheep, right? When I say sheep, you probably think field, maybe. When I say field, you think chocolate. No, I'm joking. Grass, grass. I'm just thinking about chocolate all the time at the moment. But not King David. The terrain around him were rocks, caves, shrubs. And so the picture here is of a shepherd kind of giving his sheep just what they need to keep going in the terrain around them. In other words, the Lord provides his people with what they really need amongst the rocks, the caves, the shrubs. He provides us physically with what we need, food, water, shelter. But did you notice that it's not just physical provision, but it's also spiritual. Did you see it in verse three? He refreshes my soul. I was talking to someone in the church just recently who described their spiritual life as a desert. Uh, he, he said to me, um, spiritually, he's probably never been drier. And of course, I think we go through, we all go through those kind of seasons, don't we? And there can be all sorts of reasons why that's the case for us. Uh, Don Carson, a theologian from the States, he writes this, he says, are we not on occasion, we who are the Lord's sheep, going nowhere in our spiritual life? captured and snared, distracted by lusts, chained by love of money, captive to pride of position, deeply bound to love of recognition, locked into prayerlessness, proud of our unconfessed sin, churning up clouds of bitterness and self-righteousness, and easy to pray to every spiritual vulture, every pack of dogs that come along, unless the shepherd finds us. When we look to the future and we anticipate those spiritual deserts, we know that the true shepherds won't leave nor forsake us. He'll provide just what we need to keep going. Because not only does he provide, but he guides. In verse three, we read, he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. I once knew a farmer, his name was Jack. He was a farmer in the Yorkshire Dales. And he would be able to tell his sheep where to go just by clicking. It was incredible. And the sheep would just do this. And the sheep would do that. Now, I don't know any Christian who would say that God guides them by clicking at them. Of course not. No. No, the Bible does say, though, that the Lord will guide us by speaking to us and guiding us through his words, the Bible, and by the giving of his Holy Spirit. Another psalm describes the Bible um, as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, which doesn't mean it will give us the answers to every single question that we have. No, remember the shepherd will give us all that we need. And so he also gives us his Holy Spirit 
who we're told in the Bible supernaturally kind of renews our minds. The pastor John Piper writes this. He says, the Holy Spirit gradually shapes our thinking and molds our emotions so that when there is no explicit command in the Bible to guide us, we weigh all the considerations with the wisdom and the love of God and we're drawn to the path of righteousness. So if you're facing uh, you know, big questions about your future this morning, I hope you can find comfort in knowing that you do not need to go through that decision process making alone. The shepherd will guide you. Uh, we as a family joined HDC, I think it was just around 18 months ago. It was a big decision at the time. Uh, we ended up basically choosing between kind of two options. And as we looked at the Bible, we couldn't find that verse that said the Stevensons should come to HDC. I don't know if you find that verse, you can come tell me where it is. Um, we prayed for guidance at the time and we didn't hear any from heaven. But what God did remind us was that there are different routes down the same path. In other words, it's possible to be faced with a win-win scenario. Do the two options contradict any command in the Bible for us? No. Do the two options keep you on the path of the shepherd, holding fast to him as he holds fast to us? Yes. Should we do A or B? The answer, yes. So we enjoyed the freedom as we applied our spiritually renewed minds in choosing A, Holy Trinity Clapham. And we haven't looked back since. It's a good option. Um, the shepherd helped keep us on the path. He's the shepherd you really need. He provides, he guides, and he protects. First of all, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now I'm conscious in this room, there'll be a huge spectrum when it comes to that idea, that experience of the darkest valley. For some here this morning, that will be a kind of a particularly real and present experience for you, the darkest valley. And maybe as you look to your future this morning, what you see is continued darkness. The impending failed job application, the bad news from the doctor, the bullying work boss, maybe even the prospect of a world war. The dark valleys ahead are real, aren't they? Real out there, but real in our hearts too, as we battle with ongoing greed, ongoing selfishness, lust, pride. The Bible tells us there's even a spiritual war, the devil himself standing behind the darkness of the valley ahead. So what we need is something more than gentle, you know, meek and gentle Jesus. What we need is a shepherd who carries a rod and a staff who kind of clubs and bludgeons away the dangers of the darkness for us, who will keep us safe on the path. A shepherd who is greater and more powerful than any scheme of the devil. And David declares, the Lord is that shepherd. He provides, he guides, and he protects. He's the shepherd you really need. Finally, and much more briefly, he's the host you eternally want. When David kind of looks to his future in verses five and six, what he sees is a victory party. He's no longer a sheep, but he's a, a, a guest. And the Lord is the generous host. 
Apparently, uh, the most extravagant party in human history was in 1966. Uh, it was at the Plaza Hotel in New York. It was called the Party of the Century. Um, apparently, it's remembered for its um, excesses, including flowing champagne, uh, gourmet cuisine, intricate decorations. But as I compare that party and the description of that party in 1966 with the party David is referring to, it doesn't even come close. King David sees a future party where there's also going to be bottomless drinks and banquet tables of foods. But the clincher, I think, is this. The Lord himself will be at this party. The God of the whole universe wants King David and he wants you and me to be at that party too. He wants us to be with him. So there's an invite with your name on it. And we know this is true because a thousand years after this was written, God gave to his people another king, King Jesus, his own son. King Jesus, who walked the path of righteousness himself perfectly, from the Christmas crib to the Easter cross. King Jesus, who no doubt would have sung this psalm himself as he journeyed through the valley of the shadow of death, as he died on the cross for our sins, forever trusting in the shepherd love and will of his heavenly Father, and then rising to new life, ascending to heaven to the eternal heavenly banquet. Whatever your future looks like for you today, there is a path ahead. Jesus has walked it before us. He has trailblazed, if you like, your future path for you. And the path leads right on through the valley of the shadow of death to the eternal heavenly banquet. But he came not just to be a trailblazer. He didn't just trailblaze the path for us, but he promises to journey the path with us. Jesus famously said, I am one with the Father. And so when we read verse one, the Lord is my shepherd. Who's the Lord? What well, is Jesus? Which is why Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Or he then says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Jesus not only goes before us, but he goes with us. He is the shepherd which is why we can say, Jesus is my shepherd. He came for me. He died for me. He rose for me. He's coming back for me. Jesus is my shepherd. And he promises to be with us always by his spirit to the very end of the age. When we put our trust in Jesus, your future really can change. You have the shepherd you really need. You have the host you eternally want. Let me pray. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Our Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you really are the shepherd that we need and you really are the host that we want. So would you help us today as we look ahead 
to place our trust in you. To be like that shepherd boy who was able to hold on to his fourth finger and say, my shepherd. Lord, you know exactly what's going on in each of our hearts. You know all the different things that we see as we look to the future. Lord, we pray that you would help guide us, that you would help provide for us, that you would protect us, that you would give us confidence that our future really can change as we hold fast to you and as you hold fast to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.